This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. We're back. Uh, Midweek Bible study this week. Um, As we travel through Colossians, just remember, you can download this as a podcast. Some of you are watching it live Facebook now. You can watch it on Facebook anytime after this, also on our church Facebook page. I know that most of you watch on our our NBCC Norco YouTube channel. You watch it throughout the week. And so whenever you watch it, hey, God bless you. You can share with others if you want to. Now we're going to pick up um, in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to cover three verses today. Yeah, we only covered one last time. But I want to review and rehearse something as we progress forward. Last week I I told you that... um, in Ephesians 2 1 that we were dead in our transgressions we were dead so before we came to Christ we were the walking dead and this had uh, destructive detrimental ramifications to our life this is before we came to Christ we were dead we weren't sinners we were dead to God what this did was this it confused our theology about God you hear it. so many people have so many wrong ideas about who God is and what God is like. We were the same way before we came to Jesus. And then we come to Him, starts clearing things up. What happens when we're dead to God? Distorted view of self. A whole range of mental problems are born out of that. People today don't even know who they are anymore or what they are. And you see that's born out of the fact that we are dead to God. And then you see the relationship problem because when we're dead to God, marriage is breaking up, people hating each other, people fighting with each other, nations at war, etc., etc. And then we were dead because in the Garden of Eden, work was pleasurable. Now we work by the sweat of our brow. It's painful, painful at times. And then, of course, we were dead to God. Our eternity was obviously in jeopardy. When we died, our body went to the ground and our spirit went to an eternity in hell. We were dead. But Paul says in Colossians 3, 4, that Christ is our life. When we give our life to Him, become a follower of Christ, Spirit of God comes to live with us, our sins are forgiven, we experience life. And everything I mentioned previously, there's a reversal of all of it. Isn't that great? A complete reversal. Now, we're going to continue in Colossians. We have been set free. Once we came to Christ, We have been set free from, let's read it, Colossians 3, 6, and 7. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Hmm. Now, we walked in an old sinful lifestyle. A past life. But now we put certain things aside into a new life. But what are we set free from? Let me read verse 8. But now you also put them aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Now we're going to spend this, these next few moments dissecting these words because we've been set free from these things. Because that's our past life, we walk a new life, Christ is our life. So let's first take anger. What what does that mean? Well, it means habitual anger, chronic anger. Let me explain chronic anger. 
because I had to find out what this was uh, about 32 years ago and admit it to myself. Chronic anger means um, <laughs> you don't get angry. You're always angry. And that's what I was years ago. Now, stay with me on this one because I know it was tough admitting it to myself that I didn't get angry. I was always angry. Here's what it means. Here's, here, I've, I finally found some definitions that help me by certain writers. that It makes so much sense in my life. And I've lived and I've learned this and I've stayed with it and I've counseled many over the years. And here's what it means. The chronically angry person who doesn't get angry but they're always angry lives in one, two, or all three of these certain ongoing symptoms. You can have one, you can have two, you can have all three, but chronically ongoing. One is chronic irritation with people or situations. Be honest. Get irritated. You're just walking irritation. This irritates you. That irritates you. Chronic impatience. That's the second thing. With people or situations. How impatient do you get with people or situations? Come on, be honest. Or chronic pouting. You know, the poor me. Life's not going my way. One of them or two of them or all three of them or any combination of them on a chronic basis, you don't get angry. You're just always angry. And it comes pouring out when something or someone, some situation, something just tips us. And here it comes. Now understand, some of you are sneaky. You think not me because you're not the outward outburst type action of irritation, patience or pouting. But you think you're key, it's all inward. You're just as angry. You're, you're a passive aggressive. You're an inward angry. There's an outward, there's an inward angry type. Now, here's my challenge to you. Spend this week. Just try this week. Just, just seven days. See how many times you get irritated or impatient or pouty over people or situations. Come on and start jotting it down. Write it down. And be honest with yourself. If you see a consistency there, you don't get angry. You're always angry. And it just, whatever tips you, here it comes. And I would encourage you to start talking about it. Get some help. Get some help. This is not the way you want to live life. That's the old nature. And please never, ever, 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 ever make this statement. Well, they make me angry. It's them. I'm not nullifying that somebody might have done something. But the chronic anger is in you. And if you fall into a Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, blaming this and blaming that, then guess what? You're never at fault. And it's never you. It's everybody else. It's just them. And you're pouty. No. Don't blame other people for your anger, for your impatience, irritation, or poutiness. No. That's our. Now, let's go to wrath. Now, what is wrath that we've been, we've died to? Well, it's a sudden outburst of anger. Mm, this is getting defensive. This is vol being volatile, blowing up. This can be sarcastic put-downs and criticisms of others. <laughs> let, me, let me give you another real truth that helped me decades ago, okay? <clears throat> Everyone at work or all those drivers on the 91 freeway or your family, or that stranger, or that person working behind the counter at whatever department store, you didn't like that person, they're not spending their time thinking of ways to get you. 
they're not. That person on the freeway, they didn't cut you off because they spent the night thinking, let's see, I think the gym will be at the Imperial Highway off-ramp at 6.45 a.m., and I think I'm going to be there at that time, though I've never met Jim before, and I'm going to try to cut him off, even though I've never met him, never seen him, don't know him. I'm going to do that. Really, you think everybody out there is doing this? Let me tell you two great things. Quit taking everything personal. That just means you're insecure. Secondly, quit making the world revolve around you. No one's thinking about you. No one's thinking about how to get you. They all have their own lives. They have their own problems. Just stop it. Grow up now. Let's be an adult now. Sabe? Comprende? Good. Now Paul moves to malice. What's malice? Malice is ill will towards someone. Christians are filled with this. They have all kinds of cliches not to efface it. I got a question. How fun, how fun is it to walk around with ill will in your heart towards someone? <laughs> oh, sad when they're successful, glad when they have trouble. Fun is it to walk around like that? <laughs> Jonah, you know Jonah, swallowed by the big fish Jonah. Jonah, uh, God wants him to go evangelize the Ninevites. The, they are Assyrian by ethnicity, but they live in Nineveh. Um, he hates them. He just can't stand these people. He don't want God to save any of them. He doesn't want God to spare any of them. He got ill will toward these people because they've invaded the northern kingdom. They've done dastardly deeds to his countrymen, maybe even relatives. And so what does he do? He runs. He gets on the ship and he out in the Mediterranean going the opposite direction and he gets storm tossed and everything. They throw him overboard. Swallowed up by a big fish. In chapter 2 we read that in that big fish he has a conversation with God. He says, okay, I'll go. I'll go. He gets vomited up on shore on the Mediterranean coast there, and then he has to walk to Nineveh. He's going to do what God says to do. And he is doing what God says to do. Question, is his heart in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's doing what God said to do. But he's dragging around malice, ill will, toward the Ninevites, the very people that he's trying to evangelize for God. <laughs> How fun is that, huh? How fun is that? Listen to me, follower of Christ. On the cross, on the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What is he opening up the door to? He wants relationship with those very people. And we walk around with ill will. How many Christians walk around with ill will? Oh, we walk around saying, praise the Lord, brother. We come and sing those worship songs. And yet we have ill will, malice in our heart towards somebody else. I'll go back to the question. What's it like to drag along that ill will in your heart? What's it like to have that person living in your head? Is it worth it? Nope. No. Now, the next word Paul says that we've died to, we've died to slander. What is slander? It's speech that tears down. <laughs> now, gossip 
is included in slander. And uh, I like a definition I heard a long time ago of slander. It's gossip is undercover revenge designed to hurt someone. Gossip is undercover revenge designed to hurt someone. Say that with me. Gossip is undercover revenge designed to hurt someone. And it's obvious to me that malice and slander, ill will and slander, they go hand in hand. And we use any and every opportunity to say something bad about someone. Let me give you a couple truths about that one. Three specifically. How pathetic is a life that has to and enjoys saying negative things about others? How pathetic is that? And be honest, gossiper. Once you start talking about people, you add to it. You make it juicier. How pathetic is that? It's pathetic. Sure isn't Jesus. Let me give you another truth. <clears throat> How, or why do people feel that they need to say something bad about other people? Why do you feel you need to say something bad about others? Why do they do this? Well, I'll tell you, because I'm a recovering guy from this, uh, because you feel empty inside. It's empty. And because you feel bad about yourself. And when you don't feel good about yourself, when you don't understand who God says you are and what God has for you and start living in these things and get filled with the Spirit of God, you, you've not jumped into that yet. you maybe not understood that yet. And you feel bad about yourselves. And you don't really understand that God has forgiven everything, given you a clean slate, fresh start, everything else. You feel bad about yourself because you condemn yourself. Whatever it is, then you're going to try to lower other people. You're going to speak ill will about them in some crazy, insane, dysfunctional attempt to make yourself feel better. Isn't that crazy? Lower them, elevate myself to make myself feel better because I don't feel good about me. People who feel good about themselves speak good about others. It's just that simple. You can't give what you ain't got. <clears throat> but let me give the, the biggest tra tragedy about this one. The slanderous person, they have no comprehension of love of Jesus. They don't love others the way Jesus loves. And that's tragedy right there. And finally, the last word that Paul gives us is abusive speech. Hmm, abusive speech. What is abusive speech? It is filthy, coarse humor. Filthy, coarse humor. It is obscene language. Filthy, coarse humor. Obscene language. Let me tell you what some practical ways of looking at that. It means no cuss words. <laughs> Look, uh, let, let me try to say something. Because <laughs> I've asked this question a, a few times over the years, and it's interesting to me. Um, I know some of you out there that eliminating the cuss words of your life, it's been tough. You don't want to say them, but every so often one slips out. In fact, I know this because I've asked people this. You're afraid that when you're on Christians, a cuss word might slip out, <laughs> aren't you? I applaud you because you're trying not to cuss. <laughs> That's great. And God will keep delivering you and delivering you. If one ever slipped out in front of me, don't panic. I know you're trying to change it, okay? 
This is talking about somebody who just lets it fly. You don't care. This is just you doing this and it don't matter to you. And you're a born-again Christian. And then it says no questionable language is what it's all about. This filthy, coarse humor, obscene language, no questionable language. You think well, I shouldn't be saying these types? Yeah, then you shouldn't. And no crude words. There's a lot of crude words. And no dirty jokes. You, you should, you know, we really shouldn't be telling dirty sexual jokes. We really sh shouldn't be doing stuff like that. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about real, having right, right speech come out of your mouth. And, and, you know, Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, heart the mouth speaks. It's not a mouth problem, it's a heart problem. Our mouth, our heart, has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And because it's redeemed, and we now have the Spirit in us, we've been redeemed, and now we are renewed. Oh, there's a renewal process going on with the speech and things that come out of our mouth. With the ill will towards others, we're, we're releasing those things. With the anger and the wrath that has been plaguing us, we're being renewed. We've been redeemed, which means bought out of the slave market, set free from sin and Satan and ourself, and we're set free forever. But not only just set free from those old things, we're renewed. There's a renewal through the Spirit of God, a re rebuilding process. You see, our mouth, our hearts are being rebuilt, renewed. Our mouths are not toilets, they are temples. Say that with me. Our mouths are not toilets, they are temples. You're the temple of the Spirit of God. And good things come out of the temple of the Spirit of God. Now, I want to read one last verse, just one more, that... Um, really speaks to this. And I'm going to finish on this one day. It's found in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. We're going to very slowly, very deliberately. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Wow. Paul says, the renewed life, the words that come out of our mouth, they should be ed for edification. Edification from the word edifice, a building. Buildings are built up. Our words should be words that build people up and gives grace, gives favor in those specific moments of time in people's lives. So Paul says, no abusive speech, no slander, no wrath, no anger. We're dead to those things. We're dead to those things. We once walked in those lifestyles. We died to it. We put them aside. And now we walk in the renewing love of Jesus Christ. I like that. I like that a lot. Hey, God bless you guys. We're going to stop right here. We'll pick it up there next time. See you later. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.